0: Are you a real estate syndicator or professional who is looking to grow your business in 2023? Are you tired of attending networking meetup after meetup and thinking that there has to be a better way? Have you ever thought about podcast guesting? According to Statista, podcasts are going to reach over 100 million listeners by 2024. Podcast guesting allows you to tap into that network of listeners. At Podcasting You. They've worked with hundreds of investors to secure guest placements on thousands of podcasts so they can raise more capital, generate brand awareness, and increase their credibility. If you're interested in learning how podcast guesting can help grow your real estate business in 2023, go to podcastingyou.com forward slash syndication to book your free discovery call.
1: Number one is persistence we've been very persistent in going after this uh, asset class or building this platform even when in the beginning we didn't have any results we believed in the value that we were trying to create for the community and we stayed with it our why was bigger than any kind of financial gain for us so and that why remains bigger than any kind of uh, financial gain or assets or whatever that we acquire and that is has been the driving force keeping us persistent along this journey
2: this is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining us today is Leslie awassum Leslie is the director of operations and co-founder of Excite Capital Investment. He manages company operations, data analysis, cash flow, and budget analysis. Bought his first investment property in 2017 and transitioned to multifamily investing in 2019 Leslie and the Excite Capital team host a rapidly growing multifamily focused meetup in Maryland where they provide resources and add value to folks interested in growing their wealth and changing their financial future. Leslie is a husband, father of two girls and a son, and loves to spend his spare time reading and flying drones. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. What is the drone of choice for you if you're enjoying flying around? I'm curious.
1: Uh, right now I have the Mavic Pro, which I like it a lot. I think it's the Mavic Pro 2 that I have. I like that. And I also got, I recently got the Mavic, like the Mini, because it could get me around anywhere. I could uh, take it to some places where the bigger drone is not allowed to. So, so yeah, I, I love those drones, man.
2: <laughs> I don't have one, but I've had the privilege of flying some friends, and they're a lot of fun, especially with the FPV. Yes, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, as much fun as drones are, we brought you on here, Leslie, to talk about real estate. You were a guest on episode 498 back in February of 2020. A few things have changed since then, but I'd love maybe just a, a brief sketch of what you were doing up to the time we interviewed you last time for those folks who maybe knew. And then what has happened over the last three years for you and Excite Capital? Sam, again,
1: thank you guys so much for having me. And thank you again, Whitney and yourself for this platform, for having us, having me here three years ago. Three years ago when I was on this platform is when it was like the early phases of our journey into multifamily investing. We just started Excite Capital a few months earlier to focus in on family acquisitions. And one of the key differences three years ago is I didn't wear glasses because I was much younger, but I've gotten older, so (laughs) my eyes are giving out on me from spending too much time on screen. So um, since then, it has been an amazing journey of growth. Since then, you know, uh, Sam, we started Excite Capital Investments because we identified a need in our community, but we definitely underestimated the need and the growth that we've had over these years. As is a proof, the underestimation of that need that we had in the beginning. When I was on your platform earlier, it was just my initial partner and myself, Tenny, hitting the ground trying to figure this multifamily game out. And um uh, right right after your podcast, I did reach out to our CEO right now to be an investor with Excite Capital. And after he he became aware of what we were doing, he decided that it's such a great value to bring to the community that um he wants to be a partner, not just an investor. So um, they, we have grown from, one, from two partners to three, and we've been blessed to acquire, over those last three years, we've been blessed to acquire about $168 million of real estate assets, both as lead sponsors and as co-general partners. We've uh, onboarded over uh, 250 investors, and have uh, given out, distributed over $3 million to our investors over those three years as well. We've successfully exited one deal, gone full cycle on one of our acquisitions as well. And uh, we provided education to more than a thousand people. I think that's of all the stats of everything that has happened over the last three years, that's one piece that we're very, very proud of, the amount of people that we've educated along this journey. So it's been a great journey of growth over the last two years and really grateful to be sharing
2: that journey with my partners and our community. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations on such tremendous growth. I was reading through the transcription from your interview a couple of years ago. And as you mentioned, you're at the very beginning of your journey with Excite. you know, and to get to almost 200 million in assets purchased over that time frame and over 250 investors, that's a ton of growth. What do you attribute that growth to? Obviously, it's it's been a pretty optimistic, you know, good environment to be investing into over the last couple of years. But There's a lot of groups who have tried to get started and have had nowhere near the success. What are some of the specific practical steps that you guys have taken that you think have led to the outcomes?
1: Number one is persistence. We've been very persistent in going after this asset class or building this platform. Even when in the beginning we didn't have any results, we believed in the value that we were trying to create for the community and we stayed with it. Our why was bigger than any kind of financial gain. For us, so and that why remains bigger than any kind of uh, financial gain or assets or whatever that we acquire. And that is has been the driving force, keeping us persistent along this journey. And the other piece that I would say has been uh, very key to our growth is the the attitude of giving, 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 giving. I'll say the three keys to success are to give, give and give more. Along the journey, as we've given value to people, the little that we know we share, we function under the under the principle that there's more than enough for everybody. We don't lose anything by sharing everything we know with the next person. So that has been the attitude that we've taken as we've built this company, and it has given us back uh, 10 times in return. So I'll say those two things and many others have been like the key to our growth and our
2: success so far. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I was browsing through your website and you guys have a cool partnership with SkillBridge, which I think is part of your giving back. Could you outline that a little bit for folks listening? Absolutely. As part of our giving back, we mentor a lot of people.
1: One of the mentees that came to our platform was a military, was part of the U.S. military, and he brought to our attention the opportunity to provide a platform for Outgoing service members that service members that are getting ready to step out of the military to transition into the civilian war by uh, working with a civilian company for about three to six months. So that was a natural fit for us because we value the the work ethic and uh, the value that these servicemen bring to our community. So uh, we reached out to uh, the U.S. military and applied and signed up for the skill bridge program. And we are blessed to say that we've had some really talented um, service members uh, pass through our platform. We actually ended up hiring one, Mouse. Mouse, I'm sure you you you, you are a touch base with Mouse. He's an amazing guy, and we look forward to continuing in that partnership and continue to provide value to service members.
2: Well, I wondered, Leslie, if we could dive in on a deal. As I was browsing through your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned that you guys sold and went full cycle on a deal called the View. I assume it's the view at St. Andrews in Columbia, South Carolina. Is that correct? That is correct, Sam. So I'd love to kind of walk us through from when you got the property to you know, operations to the exit. You know, What were the obstacles along the way? What was the opportunity? Let's spend a little bit of time here unpacking this and, and give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what a life cycle and a typical investment deal looks like.
1: Oh, that's great. So we, when we acquired the property, it was actually called Churchill at St. Andrews. What attracted us to this property? First off, um prior to to getting this asset, we had, like I said, stayed persistent, working. We had identified Columbia, South Carolina as one of our main markets that we're going to focus in on. So we went down to Columbia, South Carolina, and we built a team down there. Uh, uh, one of my partners, uh, Tenny Tolofari, actually sold his house here in Maryland and moved over to Charlotte, North Carolina, so he be, could be closer to Columbia and all of our other markets in that area. So um, Tenny did a great job of building relationships on the ground with our property management team. So every deal we'll have, we'll run it through our property management team and our boots on the ground to make sure that it fits our criteria of what we're looking for. The view at St. Andrews came to us through a broker relationship that Tenny, our director of acquisitions, had been working on. Another evidence of that persistence is he actually had to drive three hours one way and three hours another way for a 15-minute meeting with a broker in order to get this deal. We had we've been underwriting a bunch of deals and nothing was penciling. So once we uh, had this deal on the road and the numbers made sense, our property manager was very excited. She's local to Columbia. She had that burst of excitement about this property and the possibilities that we could bring to it. So, and the numbers made sense. So we uh, we went in, put in an offer, and we awarded the deal. And this was our uh, first deal as lead sponsor. So you
2: could imagine the excitement and the nervousness that came along with that. Yeah. What was the overall, if you could just briefly, you know, purchase price, what did you underwrite investor returns to be and how much capital did you have to raise? Absolutely. Uh, purchase price was uh,
1: $12.55 million. At that point, it was about 95000 per door. It's a 132-unit building. And um, we underwrote in, investor returns at that point to be uh, 7% of cash on cash and uh, 18.5% average on our returns or 16.1 IR. Those were our projections. Initial our plan was to go into a value add with 88 of the units at 7500 per unit in renovation cost and a, a value add rent of $150. Very conservative on our rent growth because we bought this property right around the COVID era. So there was a lot of uncertainty of where the market was going to go at that point in time. So we're very conservative on the numbers going in. And uh, we had to raise our uh, five point three million dollars for the for the closing of the
2: asset. Oh, that's fantastic! So you close on this asset in roughly summer of twenty twenty one. Is that correct? So we close on this asset in April,
1: on April twenty first uh, of twenty twenty one. We uh, executed this transaction in sixty days as uh, required by the contract, and that is uh, thanks to the work that our CEO Dr. Soni had been doing on the investor side on building the investor base. So once we had the asset, asset, there was a lot of uh, excitement from my investor base, and we're able to fund this uh, quickly.
0: Deal analysis, the number one critical skill every multifamily investor must know. Want to take your investing career to the next level? Then check out Think Multifamily's Deal Analysis Workshop. For more information, go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash D-A-W. Yeah. And so you you
2: raised the capital, you closed it in April. Operationally, how did the plan change once you actually brought the property on board? Nothing is ever as it seems on paper once you actually get into the trenches. So what went right? What went wrong? What'd you learn? Like I say all the time, you
1: got to have the humility to admit that your performer is always 100% wrong. But you want to uh, make sure that it's wrong in a good way that protects you and your investors. So the first thing that happened, Sam, is after we closed on this deal, uh, we had a meeting in Atlanta. So we're in Atlanta celebrating with the, the team, met with the brokers, and we we're all excited driving back to Colombia to uh, go meet with the property management team. That's a week after we closed. And our property management team called us when we were about an hour away and said there was a fire in the building. Oh my <laughs> so you can imagine the thoughts that are going on in our heads. You know, at first I thought it was some kind of a joke or some kind of a late April Fool's joke, but uh, there really was a fire in the building. So um, uh, we drove straight to the property. Thankfully, it wasn't as severe. Nobody was hurt. And it also gave us an opportunity to observe our property management team managing a crisis situation. And needless to say, we left that day really impressed and impressed. Uh, Really grateful that we were on the ground to witness this. So um, so that was the first, maybe the only uh, big surprise that we had. On the operation side, one of the great positive surprises that we had was the rent growth, the organic rent growth that happened over that time. There was just a lot of demand for units in the building and rents were growing significantly. We also found that the previous owner had some leases on there that were way, way, way on the market and we were able to bring those to market. They bring us to market. Our value-add plan, like I mentioned earlier, we were projecting to to renovate units at $7,500 per unit for 150 uh, rent bomb. But when inflation came in, the cost for construction went up a little bit and uh, we ended up averaging about $10,000 per unit contr- construction. Thankfully, we had enough funds in reserves to cover for any surprises. Other things is like, uh, a lot of things also worked in our benefit because underwriting the deal, we underwrote the deal with a ton of reserves. We had reserves that were required by the lenders because at that point, the lenders required COVID reserves and all these other reserves. But the deal still penciled with that. And a lot of those reserves got returned back to us after about six months of operations.
2: What kind of debt did you place on the property?
1: We had a fixed debt, tiny May fixed debt, three years interest only with a prepayment penalty, yield maintenance, prepayment penalty. And uh, that was also one other the that worked to advantage because with the interest rates going up on exit, the prepayment penalty was next to nothing. So we were able to exit without any um, significant effect on the investor returns on the yield maintenance cost. But this property, this property did really well. I'll say credit to the team that we put on the ground. I'll have to say that's probably the biggest secret to the success of the managing of this asset because we partnered with experienced operators and we all manage the assets together. Uh, credit to our partner, Steve, Chris Lento with EM Capital, which, which I, whom my partner with on the asset management side as we manage this asset. So that team, we ended up renovating about uh, 40 of those units. And our renovated units were getting an average uh, rent bump of about $200. And in a lot of the other units we were getting organic rent bump of anywhere from 100 to $150. So we were able to significantly increase the NOI over time and we exited the deal after about 21 months. During those 21 months, we won the beautification award as the most improved property in Columbia, South Carolina. We uh, significantly changed the look of this property, improved the leasing area from the 70s that it was in to like a more modern uh, apartment complex. We built like nice play areas for the residents. So we we're not only increasing um, on the NOI side, but we significantly increased uh, the value that we're giving to our residents in that area, which is something we're very proud of.
2: Oh, oh, congratulations. So I assume that your original plan was to renovate the units and hold this for a five year term. What led you to decide to explore a disposition early? Well, at that
1: point in time, um, the numbers made sense for from a disposition perspective because we had met our exit projection price. And surpassed it, right? So we were already there on the exit side. The deal was uh, doing very well. And um, we had a relationship with the buyer who came into the market and was looking for the deal. And he gave us an offer that made sense that we thought also made sense for our investors to walk away at this point in time. So we decided to exit.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So you know, obviously, you saw some expansion in the cost to uh, to renovate units we've seen that as well our first property we were able that we bought back in 2018 we were able to renovate units small one beds but still for like $5,0 5, a unit and now it's much closer 10 to 12 depending on the size of the unit how many of the original 88 did you actually renovate did you get through the full amount in the 18 months that you held it no we ended up renovating 38 okay now and maybe walk through why you chose to go that route. I have a sneaking suspicion it's related to leaving some meat on the bone for the next buyer and natural rent growth, but maybe explain why you didn't go through the full renovation plan and and opted to sell instead.
1: Part of the problem is we didn't have enough units to renovate. The occupancy stayed really, really high and uh, we were getting organic rent growth from some of the units. So, uh, And, uh, the occupancy stayed really high. Most of the tenants were not moving. So with the initial plan was renovate about four units a month, but we could only get by two, two units some months. So, um, that, that is part of the problem. Then the organic growth. And you got to understand our renovation plan was to do all of that over three years with the increase in occupancy and then the lack of units to renovate. So we, we were just able to do those uh, 38 over the over the first 24 months of ownership. And our strategy usually is to start from outside in. So going in, we focused on the exterior capex work that needed to be done, which was the leasing office, the pool area, doing some repave, repavement landscaping. We rebranded the property and changed all the signs and all that stuff. So that was our initial capex going in in the first few months of ownership. Then, by the time we moved into our unit renovations the market had started turning and uh, there was not there was not enough units to renovate and we didn't leave enough meat on the bone for the next buyer for sure yes oh that's awesome
2: and a lot of times you it's kind of counterintuitive in in some ways but you actually get more or you can get a better purchase price if there's room for the next guy to come in and and maybe get that 150 to 200 bucks a unit pop on renovations that they do allows them to stabilize at potentially a higher cap rate and purchase at a lower cap rate coming in. so there's a dollar amount or a you know ratio there that uh, you want to keep an eye on and then just a time function as well, both the time required to renovate those units and then the management time and and the overhead required to manage that level of a project absolutely,
1: you're right on point there, Sam.
2: So did you guys end up offering a 1031 or did you return the capital to investors? What was the final story for investors and what level of return did they achieve?
1: So our investors achieved uh, 29% average on our returns back to them over a 21-month period. And uh, yes, we did offer a 1031 onto uh, uh, the asset we just closed on, on December in uh, 101 Elwood in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, most of our investors elected to, to, uh, to 1031 over to the new asset, but some of them actually uh,
2: decided to, to pull their funds out. Yeah, that's a fairly standard. You're going to get a bit mix of both of those. So I'm curious, Baltimore, Maryland, I saw that project in your portfolio list. You know, there's a lot of folks that are syndicating in the Southeast or in Texas. You guys, your portfolio, Columbia, South Carolina, Georgia, Indiana, But then you're investing in Baltimore, which I think is pretty close to where you live, but it's not high on a lot of people's lists for metros to invest in. So why Baltimore? Uh, Because it's
1: a market we live in, and um, this particular property is in an area that I know and understand. My partner and I, we know and understand very well because, like I mentioned to you earlier, I am a healthcare provider. I'm a nurse anesthetist. My partner is an orthopedic surgeon. We met at Johns Hopkins Bayview Hospital, which is five minutes away from this property. And we have seen the transition that this area of Baltimore is going through and has been going through over the last seven years, the East Baltimore area, the Canton area. There's a lot of growth that is happening in this area. And we know what the Johns Hopkins medical system, the amount of investments that is putting in this area over the next few years. So it's a very unique area. It's an area that we're very familiar with. We see what is happening on there and we see what's coming. And on this property, we actually have a few of our colleagues that live on the property. So it's a property that we saw, it made sense. We realized that it was really, really under managed. It was poorly managed and it came as an opportunity at a, at a basis, entry basis that made sense that, uh, for this market. And that's why we're going after it. And it also made sense for, for, to, to, uh, for our investors because
2: it's just a unique opportunity that is rare to find. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. What do you see as your focus for 2023 moving forward, Leslie? Our goal for 2023
1: is to acquire $200 million of assets in the Southeast. So um, we have been blessed with a significant amount of growth. We do understand that the economy is changing and things are, the market is changing. We're keeping a pause on the market and the changes that's happening, but we're forging straight ahead, being uh, very pushful in acquisitions, looking for deals, underwriting deals, uh, even more deals than we did before. Whatever comes to market, we're taking a look at it that meets our criteria. We are looking forward to presenting some great and unique opportunities to our investors in 2023. That's fantastic.
2: Well, Leslie, I really appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks for sharing your story, going deep on a deal. Before we jump out of here, what's a habit personally that has contributed to your success?
1: Uh, so many um, that, I've, uh, that I've built on over the years, Sam. But I have to say one of the biggest habits that uh, contributed greatly to my success has been meditation. When I got on this journey of real estate investing, I never knew anything about meditation. But when I started reading about <laughs> a lot of successful people that I want to mirror, I learned that a lot of them spend a lot of time spend some time in silence with themselves in the morning. So that's something that I started doing. And it's just been amazing how much how much power it has over your mind and the way you carry the rest of your day. So, I'll have to say for me, is meditation, but there are many other things too that are habits that I've built on over the years that has been very helpful. That's awesome.
2: Well, again, appreciate your time, Leslie. If folks want to reach out, learn more about what you're doing at Excite Capital, how can they get in touch with you?
1: So, the best uh, way to reach out to us is uh, you could go to our website, which is www.x, as capital.com. That's Excitecapital.com. And um, you could reach any one of us. From my website. Our contact information is available on there. And I will encourage you to reach out, engage with us, engage
2: with our content. Come be part of the community. And we look forward to providing value to you. Fantastic. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Real Estate Syndication Show.
0: This is your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.